0: Good afternoon, everyone. Um, Thank you for joining us on our After the Verdict webinar. I'm Alicia Harrison, 2023 President of Washington Realtors. Uh, I know that many of you are, like me, a little disappointed, a lot disappointed in the verdict in the recent uh, Sitzer case against NAR and a number of real estate brokerages, but we also have a responsibility to our clients and to the industry to keep moving forward. Our hope is that after this webinar, you will have some of your questions answered and some ideas of ways to elevate your practice of real estate that will help protect you and your firm. Um, I expect we'll have many questions today and uh, we're gonna get to as many of them as we can, but those that we are unable to get to today, um, we will do our best to follow up with a recording of this webinar and an FAQ sheet that will answer the questions that we're not able to get to live this afternoon. Um, So, a few housekeeping items to begin with. Um, First of all, we have turned off the chat function. I hope that you understand that we have um, hundreds or or thousands of realtors who have registered for this webinar. And we thought that with that many people, the chat function could be very overwhelming. Um, If you want to ask a question, please use the Q&A feature of the webinar. That way, we'll be sure to see and record the question if we can't get to it live. Again, we will try to get to as many as we can, but we know we likely can't get to them all. Our CEO, Nathan Gordon will close the webinar out and we'll have a list of resources for you and your firms. If you have ideas for additional resources that would be helpful, please don't hesitate to reach out to us via the Washington Realtors website. During times of chaos, I have always seen realtors step up and show their value. We all bring value to the real estate transaction, and while I'm sure you can't help but feel a little under attack, Washington Realtors has your back. Now, I'm going to turn it over to our fantastic moderator, our legal hotline attorney, Annie Fitzsimmons. Annie?
1: Thanks, Alicia. So based on the title of this webinar, After the Verdict, I'm going to assume that you all know that there are a series of class action lawsuits working their way across the country. I'm going to just jump right in with what is the status of those lawsuits and how do they affect us here in Washington state? So all of the pending lawsuits arise out of an NAR MLS rule, which effectively says compensation must be paid to a buyer broker through a sharing arrangement originating with a listing firm. Sellers offer compensation to a listing firm. The listing firm then shares compensation with a buyer broker firm. Out of that rule, the following allegations have been made in a variety of different ways in a number of different lawsuits. The, the, The essential allegations are these. It is unfair, say, sellers... For NAR to have a rule that requires sellers to compensate the broker in the transaction whose sole purpose it is to drive down the price in terms of the seller. And that the members of the MLS uh, uh, require that the compensation offered by the seller be at a certain level or the members of the MLS will not sell the seller's home. Now, many of you on this call may disagree with both of those allegations, but those are the allegations asserted by some plaintiffs. And then the final allegation that's at the heart of these lawsuits is that buyers are without a voice in the negotiations regarding compensation that a buyer pays to the buyer broker by funding the purchase price of the property. Everyone knows that through this commission sharing arrangement, the compensation paid actually shows up in seller's column on the settlement statement at closing, but that comes from the seller's proceeds and the seller's proceeds are funded through buyer's payment of the purchase price. So undeniably, seller and buyer both play a role in in, uh, paying the compensation earned by buyer and seller brokers in a transaction. Buyers argue that it is unfair that although they fund the compensation, they have no voice in determining the amount of the compensation. And even if a buyer successfully negotiates a reduction in compensation to the buyer broker, the buyer will receive no benefit from that negotiation because, based on the commission sharing arrangement, any redu- any reduction in the buyer broker compensation goes back to the listing firm because of the commission sharing arrangement those are the allegations at the heart of all of the litigation that's pending out there and and many of you in fact maybe all of you on this call disagree with those allegations and i suspect many of your clients would disagree With those allegations. That's not what matters at the moment. What matters at the moment is that one jury has already heard those allegations and issued a a, a decision in that case. And that was the case that came out of the Missouri lawsuit. We refer to that as a Sitzer Burnett lawsuit. And that jury rendered a verdict that's going to result in a $5.8 billion judgment. That's one of several lawsuits that are pending. Will that uh, verdict be appealed? Yes, it will be. But I am going to tell you that it is, broadly speaking, uh, difficult to overcome, to overturn a jury verdict in many cases. Certainly not impossible, and there are many instances where an appeal has succeeded in reversing a jury award. but it is a big lift in many cases. and so while we anticipate what comes after the verdict, we should certainly remain hopeful of a good outcome in the appeal in the appeal process, but we have to prepare in case the appeal is not successful. and the good news in this from this webinar and really the good news for every broker in Washington state is that number one, you can take a deep breath. Number two, you can have confidence that, you're, that, that you, the way you do business, although it is going to change, you are prepared. We in Washington state are prepared for that change. Because in Washington, we have been working for the last several years doing the hard work, I would say, to create uh, an, an industry that above all creates transparency for consumers, both sellers and buyers, with respect to understanding what the agency relationship involves and the compensation that will be paid by the consumer in the transaction. How? We have, in Washington State, now what I'm about to say are broad principles. And I can't speak to every single broker in Washington State. I can't say that every single one of you has adopted these practices, but I can say with absolute certainty that what I'm about to say applies to the vast majority of real estate brokers in Washington State. You already operate in an MLS where the seller is free to offer zero compensation to a buyer broker. Your MLS rules permit that and listing brokers inform sellers of that. Listing agreements are prepared To put seller on notice of that fact, sellers are free to offer anywhere from zero to whatever amount of compensation they want to offer to a buyer broker. It is always the seller's choice. The amount of compensation that a seller offers to a buyer broker is always published on the public facing portion of your MLS printout there is no deception possible to the buyer in a transaction as to what the seller is offering as the buyer broker's compensation because that amount is is identified on the face of the MLS printout that the buyer will see and it is restated on the face of the purchase and sale agreement right above the buyer's signature. The seller In Washington state, makes a distinct offer of compensation to the buyer broker separate from the offer of compensation to the listing broker. Another term that's used for that thing is to, for that uh, principle, is to say that compensation has been decoupled. What that means is instead of abiding by the commission sharing rule, The vast majority of brokers in Washington state and perhaps soon to be all brokers in Washington state invite sellers through their listing agreement to not offer a single fund of compensation to the listing firm that will then be shared with a buyer broker's firm, but instead to make a distinct offer of compensation to the listing firm and a separate offer of compensation, if any at all, to the buyer broker's firm. Finally, and I'm going to come right back to that one we just mentioned, because what I'm about to say plays back into that. But the final principle that is unique in Washington State is that every buyer must enter, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm this is part of the law that takes effect on January 1st. What I'm about to say is part of the revised agency law. So it takes effect on January 1st. Every buyer must enter a buyer agency agreement or a brokerage services agreement with their broker at the outset of the relationship before substantive real estate brokerage services are delivered from the broker to the buyer, the buyer will be informed of the amount of compensation the broker will charge for the broker's services. The buyer will agree to pay that compensation, whether the buyer pays it directly or whether the buyer pays it by asking the, the bro- their broker to a, to negotiate in the transaction for the seller to pay that compensation the buyer will agree to the number and agree that that's what the broker will be compensated and because that will be a separately negotiated compensation amount between the buyer and the buyer broker that means that if a seller has offered greater compensation then the amount that buyer broker is entitled to receive based on the negotiations between buyer and buyer broker, then it is the buyer who will receive the benefit of those negotiations between buyer and buyer broker, not the listing firm. In other words, every single allegation at the heart of the plaintiff's claims Whether the plaintiffs are sellers or the plaintiffs are buyers, every allegation at the heart of their claims has been or will be accommodated by Washington practices and Washington law, not later than January 1st. That's the end of what I want to tell you from a legal standpoint giving you assurance that Washington State is in fact leading the entire nation, every single one of you who sells real estate in Washington State, you should be proud of your association. You should be proud of yourselves. You should be proud of your MLSs. All of you collectively have made really hard decisions in the last few years. You have taken Positions that generated fear and uncertainty in the industry. And you have said, nevertheless, we march forward delivering services uh, to our consumers in a transparent way. And so, as these verdicts start to come in and settle in and cause disruption, no doubt, across the country, I am here to tell you in Washington state, we are. Ready. With that, I'm going to ask some of our panelists to give you their thoughts. What are they hearing from folks about the verdicts? Uh, any concerns that they're uh, how they're addressing any concerns that they're hearing, just kind of their thoughts in general as we look at where the industry is today and where we're heading.
2: Michael, would you start us? Michael McAlier, um, Squim Association of Realtors. Uh, I'm I'm proud to be part of this panel. Um, I'm part proud to be a Washington realtor. I'm proud of the fact that uh, four years ago, 2019, um, we got on board and and were proactive in in dealing with what we saw coming. Um, commissions have been, are, and will be negotiable. Um, we don't agree with uh, with the verdict, uh, but that doesn't matter. It's time to pick up um, pick up be big. You know, boys and girls, and 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 move forward on behalf of our clients. Um, we don't know how consumers are going to react to this in in general. We know that um, that some value what we do. Some have been looking for ways to to not pay uh, commissions or as much in commissions, um, and so it's probably going to run the gamut. But as a general, um, uh, in general, we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Um, sellers, uh, are are they going to want to only pay their listing agent and offer no uh, compensation to the buyer? Um, buyers, uh, when, when negotiating and, and when they want to go buy a house, are they going to want to go directly to the listing agent? Are they going to agree to pay the uh, commission that you think is fair? Um, we don't know. So what's going to be really important for us is um, that we uh, be prepared um, to offer our our value proposition. Uh, What we know for sure, what we know as realtors especially, is that buyers still need competent representation. We we know this, we've lived it. Uh, We've been proud of being a part of that process representing buyers. Um, So now in order to represent a buyer and be compensated, we're gonna have to not only understand our value, but we're gonna need to be able to articulate our value and what it is that we do. Um, just kind of backing up and, and this is more on our team and just give you an example of what we've experienced and, and the way we're thinking about it going forward. Um, I feel that hot markets can create bad habits. And um, and I'm, I speak for myself as well. There are certain things we've gotten that we've gone away from and gotten away from. Um, COVID and that experience also created some bad habits that that I personally and and our team are going to need to change. And in particular, what I'm talking about is is getting together with that buyer and having a buyer orientation, a buyer consultation um, at the onset, doing it early. And in that meeting that we meet with these people, whether it be by Zoom, preferably in a conference room, face to face preferably we start riding in cars where we can be with people and build trust and and show our competence um, in that buyer orientation it's going to be essential that we spell out what we do and what you do is going to be different than what I do but I will tell you that that the time has come that instead of just doing what we do we're going to have to articulate what we do and it's and it's a lot and we know that um, I know that I've been, you know, since I was young, I was taught to not brag. Well, it's time to brag. <laughs> it's time to pel- tell people that that there's a lot that goes into buyer representation, and 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 I'm going to spell it out for you um, as we sit down and and get the buyer agency agreements uh, signed. Um, we, of course, we somebody else can maybe talk about. Uh, there's non-exclusive and exclusive agency, um, and so uh, hopefully. Um, if it starts with with uh, non exclusive, it'll work its way to um, to non exclusive as they get to know you and trust you. So there's going to be a couple ways to get paid. One, you're obviously we're going to hopefully get a buyer agency agreement signed, and uh, and you'll be assured payment that way. Obviously, with people who are at the lower rungs of the economic ladder, that's going to be problematic, and that's going to be problematic for our industry, and we're all we're all worried about it. Um, hopefully, if at that point when you go show a home that there is an offering of compensation hopefully that's not taken off of our MLS sheets uh someday through some sort of a court action or decision and then of course uh, through the form 41s when we make offers on on homes and properties uh there are the form 41s that allow us to uh, ask that that compensation be paid from the seller's proceeds it and it's going to be that that commission whatever' is put on there is now a negotiable item and it, it will be Uh, On the chopping block, you can you can bet. But um, those are the ways we're going to get paid. Um, That's it. That's it for me for now. I'm happy to answer any questions going forward. Uh, Hopefully I didn't go on too long there, Annie.
1: Thank you, Michael. Anne, what's what are you what's on your mind? Well, I mean, I want
3: to acknowledge that obviously change is hard. And I can see that I'm frozen on my end, but I can hear a broadcast outside here. So I'm just going to keep going because I hope we're we're good. It, yep. We're good. Okay. So uh, that's just the way this works. I love change and technology are hard. Um, you know, I think the thing about our compensation being negotiable is that it allows excellence to be rewarded. And so at this time, I mean, we're just putting our energy into educating and empowering our brokers Um, making sure that they're comfortable having the conversations that they need to have. We need to be, you know, open and in dialogue with, uh, with the public and, you know, giving us a chance to, um, really build that trust through transparency. I think it's a huge opportunity. And I know it's been difficult, but we have been navigating change every 90 days for the past four years. It feels like we, we can do this. And I think, um, those who are questioning the value of the association, Um, which I know is a question that many of us have had come up as brokers. This is a real opportunity to kind of piggyback on on Michael's point that he was making to talk about how this could potentially impact our VA buyers, how this could widen the homeownership gap. You know, that we've done some incredible work on this in recent years. We've had a lot of housing victories this last um, year in particular. And so we're going to need the association to continue to do work on behalf of our clients on that front. So I'm choosing to see it as an opportunity to show the value in what we do and focusing on our, our education. I cannot see anything moving on the screen right now. So I'm going to pause and uh, reset and I'll be back in just a minute.
1: Okay, we could hear you perfectly, Anne. So don't, don't go away too far.
3: Okay, all right. S-
1: Scott, what are you thinking?
4: Well, um my big thing i guess is we we need to uh, to follow up exactly what ann was saying is just utilize your local associations use utilize washington association as well as nar um there's a lot of misinformation out there um i i've been talking up this nar app that i i downloaded i i get updates every day um and it's right from the source and so you know it's legit so Um, also, I I guess I I came up with a little acronym of the the three R's. So first of all, relax, we're going to get through this. Um, just read the forms, read and understand the forms is important. Um, just, uh, don't, uh, skim through them, understand them. And then finally read your emails. Uh, Washington sends out a lot of emails, um, between our just uh, a lot of times it's easy Um, as realtors. I know we get a lot of emails and it's easy just to not see them, not open them. Um, I would do that. Utilize the hotline. So every Tuesday we get to see Annie in our uh, sales meetings. So anyhow, I'm I'm brief, but this is all great information. We're represented across the state here. And thank you for inviting. me Thank you, Scott.
1: And boy, if I could, Echo through the loudest chamber possible what you said about read the forms of everything you said. That's what I would actually pick up on and say, please read the forms. That's it. Brokers, if you want to know your value proposition, forms are essential to any buyer or seller buying or selling a home. And you are the one uniquely positioned in the transaction to know the forms, not the consumer. You want to know what value you bring. There's one tiny component of the huge amount of value you bring. Read your forms, understand them. Go to office training so that you can learn how to use them. Eric.
5: Yes, thank you, Annie. Uh I always I, I love uh the fact whenever you call on me, you little bead of sweat drops from your forehead. <laughs> um but actually no, I think in all of this, I think there's a big opportunity because obviously our agents are asking like, "Well, gosh, what's our conversation?" around compensation and what's that going to look like and uh it's going to look different right i think uh you mentioned the decoupling of uh commissions uh whereas and i'm on the forms committee so spoiler alert hopefully i'm not giving too much away but uh, as of the first of the year uh the northwest mls listing form is going to show the commission in a different way it's going to say the seller agrees to pay the listing broker a commission seller agrees to pay the buyer broker commission and seller agrees to pay the listing broker if they're a dual agent commission and it's separated out. And this is an opportunity to present the offer of compensation as a marketing tool, which is what it was intended for, uh, from, uh, the beginning of it, the practice started. Um, and so, uh, and it matters who makes the decision and to Annie's point. Um, the seller should have a say in this and, 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 uh, base their decision off the information about their marketplace, uh, their price range, their um, uh, the product they're offering, and the environment of the, uh, uh, or the climate of the marketplace at the time. So there's a lot of variables that go into that. And um, the seller should make an informed decision whether or not they want to offer compensation or not. And understand the fact they have that option of not offering compensation. And so uh, on the other side of that, we have our our brokerage agreements that are going to be changing. Um, and those are very transparent to the buyer. And then in the meantime, if there is a disparity between the two things, um, there is an option to include 41C uh, uh, with 41C to negotiate a compensation back into the transaction. So I'm really, really proud of uh, the work that, um, uh, Washington Realtors Northwest MLS has done on the forms uh, and all the input that's been given to allow for the widest array of options, right for the for everyone involved in the transaction. And uh, I happen to be in Idaho right now teaching and I can I can tell you uh, we are really, really far ahead of the curve on this. Uh, there are a lot of uh, state associations that are not as prepared for this as we are. And so that's very encouraging. I'm very proud of it. And uh yeah, I think the conversations uh and the explanations are going to change. Um uh, And and we'll see if the behaviors do. Right. That's up to the consumers at the end of the day. So, um yeah, that's what I have to say.
1: Thanks, Eric. And just one point of clarification: Eric is exactly right that uh, on January 1st, the Northwest MLS listing agreement will decouple commissions between listing firm and, and selling firm. But but that's actually already the case for the Northwest MLS listing agreement it has been for a year. Or so Eric is uh, operates in Spokane, and the good news is that many more of our MLSs around the state are going to be using that Northwest MLS listing agreement. And so offering sellers the opportunity to decouple the commission offering between buying firm and listing firm. So that is that is really good news as far as, again, Washington State being prepared for what lies ahead. Let's see. Travis.
6: All right. Hopefully my mic works fine. We don't have any technical difficulties. Um, I... I want to talk about all of this is super important. Everything that Eric has said and Michael has said and Scott has said and has said, it's all, it's all relevant to the situation. I'm going to come at it from a little different side. I've been working in real estate now for 24 years and I wake up every day unemployed. I have to solve the challenges in front of me for that day. And I love it. I think it's great. And I think part of it is, and, and what's happening right now is I look at it from, maybe I'm wrong, but this is a very exciting time to be a real estate broker. I Think that there's going to be a lot of things that come out of this that are going to be better for us and better for the consumer. And maybe you call me crazy, I don't know. But I just see it as an opportunity for us to do things better, to raise the level of professionalism and focus on the one thing that's the very most important thing is the relationship with the clients we represent. And in that relationship, it requires competency, it requires education, it requires going over the forms with them, like Annie said. Explaining what they're signing, explaining what the forms mean and how it affects the transaction. There's just so much that's going to come out of this that's going to be better for for us and for the consumer. And but that relationship is paramount. You know, if you aren't taking time to understand your buyer's needs, your buyer and and what they're after, or your seller, and developing that relationship with them, it's gonna it will be a challenge. And so you're going to have to spend some time on the fundamental of the relationship. And that is what then is reputation. Meaning if you're the agent that takes the time to help the consumer out and gets them to what they need to do, your reputation continues to expand and expand, which makes what happens, referrals and all kinds of things that happen that become a lot stronger, a business model for us. So I'm excited. Um, I can talk about all the other things too that I talked about. But that's really the main thing to me is your client relationship and your professionalism is important.
1: Yeah, uh, Travis said something to me the other day that that really stuck with me. He said, "Real estate is a relationship business. You build the relationship, and compensation follows." I just think that's such an easy way of summarizing so much of what is really the the concern on the table in this in this webinar and, and generally within our industry. And um, did you have anything else you wanted to say? Me? No. Uh, and she cut herself off a minute ago, and I just wanted to make sure. No, thank you, Travis. <laughs>
3: No, no, I think just, I mean, I, I appreciate the, I mean, I appreciate the worry and I understand why we're concerned and I understand why our brokers are concerned and this feels scary, but I mean, the opportunity to, to dig in and really educate ourselves. I loved what Scott said about reading emails. I mean, we know, and I know a lot of the folks on this call are um, designated brokers or managing brokers that, you know, you can send a lot of things downline, and it's like we get very focused on our transactions and I mean, this is a time to demonstrate your professionalism. It is not just going to be a numbers game. And uh, you know, I think as brokers, we have a duty also to maybe contemplate who needs to be coached out um, because the harm that's going to be done by people who are not tracking this, who are not investing and in educating themselves, you know, our industry can't really afford to have people uh, not dialed in right now. And that's something that that reflects poorly on all of us. And so collectively us to really um just really invest and know that those efforts will build trust with the public um and that's on all of us to do i think that's incredibly important right now
1: yeah and what you just said feeds into what everybody else has said which is if you're going to assert your proposition your proposition value if you're going to make somebody want to hire you you better be somebody who somebody wants to hire right and you, and that's not going to happen if you're not paying attention To the to the changes and the shifts in the marketplace right now, not just the the transactional marketplace. But but all of the issues that we're talking about today as well. well, and the
3: one and the one other thing is I mean, the public has visibility to all of this going on, obviously. I mean, it's it's national news headlines everywhere we turn. And so I think um also having candid conversations in our office about what kind of dialogue we're participating in online, what kind of, of groups and comments folks are leaving on Facebook, you know, just understanding that that all eyes are on us in a way that they have not been. Um, and Here's our chance to prove um, how good we are at what we do and prove what our value is. So just being conscious of of what we're what we're, I guess, not going online and doing a bunch of complaining and uh, bitching and instead focusing on uh, where our talents are at. We've got us.
1: Amen, sister. All right, Shelly. Uh,
7: so my my big thing here is we are in Washington. We have been ahead of this discussion, this decision, we are in a good place. Take the classes, be a part of the discussions, know these forms, a lot of already um, what has been said, but it's a change. Change is hard. It's going to be clunky next year at times. It's just part of the process of coming through this change, but embrace it have a good mindset with it, and move forward. It's it, we, I feel blessed to be in Washington through this change. Um, and I thank everyone who has put so much work into the, the, just the thought process um, and, and how to, to have us on the right path. Um, and I did take a class yesterday, and the discussion in the room was wonderful and it came from all aspects. There were even things that were mentioned that I hadn't even thought of yet. Um, And I've already taken three classes on this alone. I just, I keep staying in front of it because every class brings another aspect of a different way of looking at the change. And it makes me a better broker and better designated broker. Great,
1: all right. Thank you, panelists. Having heard from everybody, um, anybody else have anything you want to say before we ask Nathan if there are any questions in the Q&A box that he wants us to pick up on? Any final thoughts from any panelists? Or are we good to go to questions? Three, two, one. Nathan, you're on. All right.
8: Thank you all. We have some good questions here. Um, and let me answer the first one because this is an association question. Uh, with there being an award, what will this look like in our dues local, state, and national? So uh what is happening right now on that, right? The the award is against NAR. NAR is certainly going to appeal. And they're what I understand is they are looking for a way to put up a bond to show that they can pay that the, those damages. Um, but the answer right now is there will be no impact, right? There's, I mean, the, and certainly state and local associations have already, um, figured out the dues amount for 2024, uh, and AR has figured out their dues amount for 2024. So in 2024, I don't think it will have any sort of an impact, um, on dues, uh, certainly it will have impacts elsewhere. Um, All right, we have some good legal questions here. Um, And Annie, maybe I'll throw some of these to you. Uh, Are real estate agents going to be personally liable for these judgments? Can they claw back commissions paid?
1: No, the the nature of the claim is not to go to an individual broker and claw back a commission that was already paid to that broker. There are two, there were were originally four uh, national franchises that were named as co-defendants along with NAR. Two of those franchises have settled out of the litigation. Two of the franchises are named as defendants, uh, will be responsible defendants in the the judgment that comes out of the Sitzer-Burnett court uh, along with NAR. But it's the corporate organization, not any individual broker that's been named as a defendant.
8: Okay, there there are a couple of questions here, Annie, sort of about Missouri agency disclosure and um, Missouri's MLS public listings and whether or not we've looked at how we compare to to them. Um, And these questions came up when you were talking about how you feel like Washington state is um, protected and is it a better place than Missouri was. And if I heard you correctly, it's more that the facts of the case are not necessarily applicable in Washington state. Is that?
1: Yeah, the the Missouri case, I don't know Missouri law at all, so I'm not even going to try to try to tell you what Missouri law says. Uh, But the facts of the case arise out of um, industry practices prevalent in Missouri and really across much of the nation. And even in Washington, prior to the case being filed, it was filed in in 2019. In 2019, in Washington State, that's when we began making substantial and wholesale changes in industry practices and in MLS rules, <clears throat> culminating in the legislative decision, last, last legislative session, the 2023 session. To change the the entirety of the agency loss structure taking effect on january first. so so when I say that Washington state is well positioned, we we were in the same boat as Missouri prior to two thousand and nineteen. But it was the foresight of industry leaders in two thousand and nineteen that the important pieces of the puzzle were put in place started to put in being put in place in two thousand and nineteen. So that when you look at the entire picture today, we are in a great spot statewide. We are in a great place uh, to to really not even combat the the allegations, but to simply avoid the allegations because we we don't engage in the practices in Washington state that form the heart of the allegations in the lawsuits that are. Pending right now in other parts of the nation.
8: Um, Annie, will Form 41C remain in use after January 1st, 2024?
1: Form 41C is a crucial piece of all of this coming together. Form 41C is the buyer brokerage addendum, and it is part and parcel of a buyer having a voice in the negotiation of their own compensation. So if a seller offers compensation to a buyer broker, then that will be identified on the, on the MLS and it will be captured in the buyer broker's drafting of the purchase and sale agreement on the front page of the purchase and sale agreement. What has seller offered? It'll be identified on the face of the purchase and sale agreement, not only because it's on the face of our statewide form purchase and sale agreement, but because that's now required again as part of our agency law revision that takes effect January 1st. Form 41C supplements that, that offer of compensation from the seller because Form 41C offers two different outcomes. If the seller has offered compensation less than what the buyer owes the buyer broker, Based on an independently negotiated buyer brokerage agreement, then Form 41C is the form that the buyer will use in the buyer's offer to seller, asking seller to contribute additional compensation uh, to to the compensation seller either has already offered or if seller has offered no compensation then to contribute all of the compensation that buyer broker is obliga- that buyer is obligated to pay buyer broker form 41c also allows for the scenario where seller has offered more compensation than the buyer broker is entitled to based on negotiations between buyer and buyer broker form 41c allows the buyer and seller to agree that the additional compensation seller has offered not payable to buyer broker based on the agreement between buyer and buyer broker that it will be that it will uh, be returned either to the seller or be contributed to the buyer for the buyer's benefit all of that is made possible through the language the boilerplate language the negotiation platform provided to the parties through form 41c it will be an absolutely essential part of your forms practices after January 1st and before January 1st, really.
8: Okay. Um, I wanna try to get a few of our panelists involved here, but we have a lot of really good legal questions. Um, So I think we're gonna keep going down there. Um, Very timely question, right? Today is Veterans Day. Thank you to um, all of our veterans who have served our country. Uh, How does this affect VA loans?
1: It doesn't affect VA loans, so long as the buyer broker and the listing broker know how to use the forms. The buyer agency agreement after January 1st, the statewide form buyer agency agreement, Form 41, will say right on its face a VA buyer is prohibited by VA underwriting guidelines from paying any broker compensation. Nevertheless, a VA buyer, like every buyer in the state, their broker will be required to enter a brokerage services agreement with them at the outset of their relationship, identifying the amount of compensation that the buyer-broker who is representing the VA buyer will earn through the provision of real estate brokerage services. The VA buyer may then instruct their broker to utilize their best negotiation skills to go negotiate with the seller through the transaction terms, to pay the compensation that buyer owes to buyer broker, but is prohibited by VA guidelines from personally paying to buyer's broker. Again, Form 41C will be absolutely essential when the buyer broker is preparing the purchase and sale agreement, putting the burden on the seller to pay the compensation that buyer will owe buyer broker, based on that separately negotiated buyer brokerage agreement. I'm sorry if I keep saying the same things, but these are the issues at the heart of the litigation. When the uh, buyer asks the seller to pay that, buyer will utilize Form 41C, mark either the first or the second box, depending on how much or if seller has offered compensation. And buyer will negotiate with seller to pay the compensation that buyer owes to buyer broker. If seller is unwilling to pay that compensation, then the VA buyer will continue to look for another house. No different than if buyer uh, asked seller to reduce the list price and, and seller refused and buyer said, I can't pay the price that you're asking, buyer would look for another property to purchase. No different than that scenario. It's now all a negotiation, starting with a negotiation between the buyer and the buyer broker, culminating in a negotiation between the buyer and the seller. It's exactly where the plaintiffs in this litigation says it should be, in an open, transparent negotiation between the parties who control the income, the interests, and the outcomes. Okay,
8: um, let's turn to one of our panelists. There's there's some questions about um, educating consumers on on buyer agency agreements and things like that. And Anne, maybe I could turn to you and ask what what are you doing. To educate consumers that you are talking to about the changes that are taking place?
3: I think the I think the first thing is obviously to, to do what we're doing here, which is talk about things, take the class. I agree with Shelley or whoever said they'd taken the classes three times. I mean, you know, I've been through two already, and you know, we've got to get confident in how we're speaking on this. Um, and People, when I started talking about it, like on, on social media, people are are responding to me. I mean, they're responding to me privately often. You know, hey, I've heard about the lawsuits, obviously. Like I've been thinking about you. I've been wondering how your industry is doing. How is this impacting you? I mean, folks are interested. I was at an appointment before this and that was the conversation on the on the doorstep. So, you know, first acknowledging that everyone's talking about it and we can either be in the conversation and providing some context and, and perspective. Um, we're leading the conversation. So we're not just on the defense. And and that's what I meant in terms of, you know, online platforms like Facebook are drawn to blood in the water. And so if we're in these public forums, if our brokers are in the public forums and they're sort of responding and fear-mongering and just getting all worked up instead of putting thoughtful messaging out there. I mean, the the platform directs people to where those lively conversations are happening. So we're gonna have to double down on uh, what our messaging is to the public. And we each, I mean, we're very good at that. You have to be good at that to be a a broker who has a sustained business. So um, I think it's time to assert ourselves.
8: Somebody else want to talk about that?
7: I'll jump in. Um, I think one of the big things, and there was a panelist who had mentioned doing your, your buyer consultation, that's huge. And if it's not something that is part of your everyday practice, this might be something to look at and to be comfortable with because that is where you can really explain a lot of how the process works, what is going on, answer any questions or concerns that they have. that that is your time with them. and that is also how you build that that relationship with your client.
8: Great, thank you. Um, Annie, there are a couple of questions about statute of limitations, and um, so I assume these changes over the last two to three years won't preclude us from a lawsuit dating back prior to these changes, um, and a few other questions about that. So can you talk a little bit about statute of limitations?
1: Yeah, the the statute of limitations, broadly speaking, in an antitrust claim is four years, and so it it is important that many of the changes that were made in our state were made In October of 2019, hip hip hooray! That's more than four years ago, and 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 that's kind of all I have to say about that. The different changes were made at different times, but we we are again the vast majority of brokers in our state are beyond the concern of any statutory statutory period um, regarding the allegations that are asserted.
8: And there are no active lawsuits in Washington State on these issues currently that you're aware of. No. Great. Um all right. Well, here's a question. So, if we as listing agents have to write an offer for an unrepresented buyer for our sellers, do we take on more
1: liability? This question is not unique to to this era. Uh, this, this has been a question that's percolated through our industry for for years remember what you do when, when, when you're the listing i'm sorry did you, uh, did you want me to answer this question yes please okay <laughs> sorry panelists if one of you wants to jump in just unmute yourself but when you're a listing broker remember what remember the burden you, you take in that listing agreement and through the agency law you have an ongoing good faith duty to find a buyer for the seller's home which means that if a buyer comes along and wants you to write an offer for the seller's home. You're going to write that offer. That's what you promised the seller you're going to do. You're going to work to find a buyer to purchase their home. Uh, there, there's no obligation on you to represent that buyer. You don't have to be a dual agent. Certainly, if if both buyer and seller want you to be a limited dual agent after January 1st, you could. But this question presumes that you're going to represent the seller exclusively and write an offer for an unrepresented buyer. Great. That's what your seller expects you to do. So go do it. Do you take on extra liability? You have enormous liability every single time you put fingers to keyboard. When you prepare a purchase and sale agreement, or when you help your seller accept a buyer's purchase and sale agreement offer, you are held to the standard of care of a lawyer. You are given a a limited license of law, effectively, by the Washington State Supreme Court, 1985, Colton versus Heritage House. And, and when you exercise that right to prepare a purchase and sale agreement, whether it's as a seller's exclusive agent or as a buyer's agent, yeah, you have liability. Absolutely. Which is why hopefully you also have e insurance. Again, take classes, learn how to draft properly, learn how to use the forms. Do you take on extra liability? I don't. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. You take on liability anytime you prepare a purchase and sale agreement. Don't, however, breach your agency law duty to the seller who you represent exclusively by coaching up the buyer, by negotiating on the buyer's behalf. You you deliver the pamphlet, the agency law pamphlet, to the unrepresented buyer. You advise them that they're unrepresented and that you represent the seller exclusively. You ask them if they want to proceed without representation, or do they want to go get their own representation, which they are certainly welcome to do. And if they say, no, I want you to write the offer, then you ask them, what do you want to offer? And then they tell you what they want to offer. And it's not up to you to coach them um, as to the offer terms that they want to make. It's their responsibility to know what they want to offer. You disclose on the face of the purchase and sale agreement that you represent seller exclusively. Buyer is unrepresented. And then below the buyer and seller signatures, you're going to identify your information as the listing agent. And you're going to leave blank the information below the buyer's signature disclosing the buyer agent.
8: Great. Annie, here is a great question. When do we have buyers sign the buyer agency agreement? (laughs) Do you have an answer for that question?
1: The law answers that question. After January 1st, you are required to enter a brokerage services agreement with seller or buyer, if that, whoever your client is, before or as soon as reasonably practical after you provide real estate brokerage services. It's a, it's a definition that might seem hard to understand unless you, unless you really think about just those very first few words. You're required to enter a brokerage services agreement before. or as soon as reasonably practical after you provide real estate brokerage services. So in most cases, that's going to mean before it would be comfortable today. Many of you who enter a buyer agency agreement today, a lot of brokers in our state use buyer agency agreements today, and and they enter the agency agreement when it feels comfortable to them and when it feels comfortable to the buyer. After January 1st, you're going to enter buyer agency agreements with buyers before it feels comfortable to do that. You're going to enter buyer agency agreements before you provide substantive real estate brokerage services. And the reason the standard says before or as soon as reasonably practical thereafter is because you are providing real estate brokerage services almost from the instant you meet a buyer. When the buyer says, can you tell me something about this house? And you start talking, you're providing real estate brokerage services. I'm interested in buying a house. Can you help me? What do you know about the market? You start talking, you're providing real estate brokerage services. It's not, it's it's unreasonable to think that you're going to say, stop, I can't tell you even one word until you sign a buyer agency agreement. That's not what the law requires. The law allows you to answer those questions. But before you embark on providing any substantive real estate brokerage services, you're going to enter a brokerage services agreement with your client, whether your client is the buyer or the seller.
8: Excellent. Um, by the way, I I do want to make sure that we give one of our webinar attendees a little shout out. Um, April Connors is on the uh, webinar, state representative and real estate broker. Um, and she was very, very helpful in uh, making sure that legislators understood how real estate works, um, mm-hmm. because there was one legislator who will go unnamed that thought she knew how real estate worked and was trying to be very helpful on this bill and um, thank you, April. So um, do any of our panelists wanna say anything? I I have uh, one last thing here, but we're closing in on one o'clock. Anything from our panelists?
7: I'm just gonna say embrace the change, moving forward.
1: And I'm also gonna volunteer one thing about our panelists. each of these people who are panelists were selected because they are leaders in their industry, in their community. And I am uh, volunteering each of them to continue to be leaders. And when uh, Travis is saying, take me off this list, when uh, just, just, these are the people who you should look to and how are they doing it? How are they succeeding? What are they doing? Um, They've given you some insights today, but, but, I would suggest that there are people to pay attention to in your community as well.
8: Great. Yeah. And I want to extend my thanks to the panelists um, and, of course, uh, the fabulous Annie Fitzsimmons for uh, for doing this. You know, I have been thinking a lot in the last week about COVID. Um, and, you know, certainly um, there are differences. You know, this, this is a, a crisis, though, just like that was. And, you know, when COVID hit, there were 20,000 deals in the pipeline um, when you were all told that uh, that you had to, to stay home. And for your clients, it felt like the sky was falling. And you reached out and you helped your clients through that time. And the association reached out and helped our members help their clients during that time this is no different. This is not a pandemic, but it is, um, it is a challenge. The Washington realtors is committed to continuing to work, to get the message out, to drive better headlines. There are good stories that deserve to be told in Washington state and the state association is working on that right now. Um, Providing you all resources. Again, this is going to this has been recorded, and we will put together an FAQ for the questions we weren't able to get to, and we'll make sure that that is available for you all. Um, I would encourage you all to take Annie's class right now that she's teaching, Operation Evolve, very popular, very helpful class. And beyond that, we're here for your ideas, your questions, and your concerns. Thank you all for being Realtor members.